When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello, and welcome back to When in Romance, where we get to talk about all things romance novels, the people who write them, the people who read them, the people who love them, and the people who talk about them. Um, I am Jess. And I am Trisha. And we are recording on Thursday, August 4th, 2022. And we've got a a significant amount to pack into this episode, but I think we're going to have fun. I do too. Also, I just realized, uh, well, I didn't just realize, I promise I'm going to call him later. Uh, It's my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Danny. He actually listens to the podcast. So happy birthday, Danny. Thank you for listening. Indeed. Um, And you might think it's weird that my brother listens to my romance podcast, but it's not. (laughs) It's supportive. And I think that's great. Yes. Yeah, we've got like a few like kind of different just sort of grab bag fun topics, including dun dun dun. A new book club book that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but first, just speaking of books, <laughs> as we do, <laughs> what are you reading? I just started reading The Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. I have read so much of Ashley's YA. I was so excited to discover that she was not only writing an adult romance, but a, a ghost one. And I gotta say, in my brain... While I know that this book is called The Dead Romantics, I will forever call it The Ghosts and the Ghostwriter. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that was like a rejected title. It has to have been. Like, you know that she submitted this book as The Ghost and the Ghostwriter because it's literally about a woman who ghostwrites for a romance author who has lost her belief in love and romance and can't finish this book. And she meets her editor who is like, her new editor who is like, it has to have a happily ever after. I'm sorry. And then she ends up going out of town on a family thing. And he is suddenly dead and a ghost. So that's all I've got so far. Because like I said, I I really just started reading it. I mean, to be fair, that's kind of a lot to have so far. Dead and a ghost is not nothing. Right? The ghost and the ghostwriter. Uh, the Dead Romantics by Ashley Poston. Really, like, if you haven't read any Ashley Poston, if you enjoy YA, uh, you should pick up something by her beyond this, because you're going to want to read more of her stuff once you finish this book, I'm just going to say. I mean, I feel like it's nice to let people know ahead of time. <laughs> Uh, and I just started reading um, The Hookup Plan by Farrashan, which is the third book in the Boyfriend Project book. You might remember that that books or the series started when it was kind of a play on that thing that happened where like three women find out that they're on the same blind dating app date with the same guy and he's just sort of cycling around, which is a thing that did happen in real life. And the women ended up friends in real life, too, which I think is lovely. They (laughs) end up friends in this book also. And this is about the third of the three characters, London, who it opens at a class reunion that you actually see her starting to plan in the second book in the series. Mm -hmm. This is a, believe it or not, another enemies to lovers book for me. (gasps) It is enemies to lovers, and it is second chance romance. And... I I love that it starts out at a class reunion because I actually had a really lovely class reunion when I was when I was back when I was London's age uh, or maybe I don't know which reunion this is my my tenth reunion was lovely but I just have loved this series so much and I really love these characters and it's such a it's a premise that could have gone so silly and didn't right that you know mm. Ferris written just such a fun trilogy that there's a lot of heart in the in the books in this series as well and. So I'm really excited about it. Also, look up the cover because the it's adorable. And also, London is wearing, like, these great blue shoes in it. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't even know how to describe them because I don't know enough things about shoes. I just know I want them. Look it up. The link will be in the show notes. You can take a look from there. 
But yeah, I'm very excited about it. It's the hookup plan by Farrah Roshan. And that that one's on my on my coming up list. Like I'm staring at my copy right now and it's calling to me. But I really wanted to read this ghost book because I love ghost books. Um, well, and so. this one just came out this week. It came yeah. out on Tuesday, which was another of my brother's birthdays. Hey, Brian, uh, <laughs> who I think also listens to the podcast. Um, so anyway, it was. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, and and I will I will keep you posted, Jess. All right. Before we get into our various random stuff, exclamation point, exclamation point, as I have it in the agenda, uh, <laughs> maybe we take a quick break. Yeah, let's do that. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid-back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be, right? Right, girl, like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95 and she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Elena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. All right, Jess, we have some exciting news. Two. Book club is back. I mean, it's, you know, everyone's waiting for it. Quarter three book club. We're very excited about it. We're going to be reading a book, talking about it in September. Do you want to tell the good people what we have selected for quarter three book club? We have selected dun, 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 uh, Witchmark by C.L. Polk. It is a fantasy-ish, alternate history-ish romance um set in what could be considered edwardian england but is not quite there and i gotta tell y'all thank you for being a part of this book club because i have been meaning to read this book forever and you are giving me an opportunity to finally pick it up yay and i will be honest i was not that familiar with this book until you recommended it and so i'm excited to dive in too we are going to talk about it on the episode we have that drops on the 19th of September. We're going to be recording that episode on the 15th of September. So we will um, keep reminding you, but we don't want you to, uh, we want you to be able to put it on your calendars or put it on your library hold list or whatever else you need to do in the meantime. So get excited. Absolutely. And I will tell you all, it's the first in the trilogy. And I remember when the third book came out, C.L. Polk was very excited because if you put them all together, they make the buy flag. <laughs> Aw, that's cool. It was adorable. Um, yeah. But yeah, so check out Witchmark. And maybe look that image up first or in addition. Yeah. That is great. Um, we're very excited. Tell us what you're thinking about it. We have our next sort of quick topic. Um, many of you may know that last week around this time, a polycon, which is a romance 
fan conference. I would say it's the primary audience is fans, although there are Mm -hmm. many, 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 many authors that attend as well. It happened for the first time, I think, since 2019, because probably perhaps you've heard. (laughs) Yes, there have uh, been some barriers to, (laughs) to that over the course of the last couple of years. And I mean, if you're on romance social media at all, you probably saw a bunch of people posting about it. And if you're on sort of some of the like deep cuts of romance social media, you might have seen some people posting the last few days about some of the issues that they had at the conference, Mm -hmm. which it seems to me like we're not exclusively, but largely maybe on TikTok, Jess. Is that where you saw stuff or not? That's where I heard most of it. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of the Instagram stuff was like, look who I saw and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But yeah. TikTok, since it has the ability to like, you can just talk about stuff. A lot of the the conversation was happening over there. Yeah, it sounds like and there was a there is a post on the Apollycon Instagram page. It sounds like there were issues with crowding with heat elevators, masking. I will say sort of as a like quick, very random tangent. I'm not going to go into a lot of details on this, but funny story. I was actually hosting a conference for my day job in suburban DC last week. And about Thursday, which was the last full day of our conference, I started to notice romance authors and fans descending upon the hotel (laughs) and realized... That I was hosting a conference at the same hotel at which a Polycon was about to start. I <laughs> it hadn't been on my radar. I had no idea because I I don't live in DC anymore, so I hadn't planned to attend. And one of my friends who I work with, who I have sort of connected to romance novels over the course of the last couple of years, she was like, "Have you seen? Do you? I'm not sure." There's, like, a lot of women who have, like, really cool tattoos now who are talking about romance authors. I was like, oh, I bet this is what's happening. So, um, so funny story. I was actually at that hotel uh, for the beginning of the conference but not participating in it. And I can tell you there were heat issues uh, all mm. week. Like, there, a lot of what they have talked about as being potential safety risks and potential very serious issues for our conference were were just inconveniences because it was a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, it seems, and, it, and I will say the team is taking them very seriously. They have actually put on pause their plans to sell tickets, to put tickets on sale for next year because they are reconsidering the hotel. They're considering reconsidering their contract. Again, all of that is in the Apollycon post on Instagram. But it sounds like a lot of people had a nice time. And also there were some things about it that were kind of a bummer. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not surprised about um, some of the conversation was just how many people there were and lines and time allotments and stuff, which in part might come from, you know, just not quite comprehensive management. But also, a polycon is kind of the last con standing. As far as romance goes, there's still RWA, but that's very much an industry conference, not a convention for fans. And yeah, we we talked about the romance convention that's happening at Midcontinent Public Library and stuff like that. But that's not, that's not quite con in the same way as like RT was um, or anything like that. And since it's been three years, people are just like, I get to do things again. Yeah. So there were a lot of people and a a lot of people were very excited. And that can lead to three hour blocks where people just aren't making it to the front of the line and that kind of thing. So it's, it's something that the, the coordinators of a polycon, not specifically Jennifer herself, um, because I can't remember if you mentioned it, Trisha, but a polycon is sort of headline sponsored by Jennifer L. Armentrout. Yeah. But like the people who really are doing the down and dirty coordination and, building out time blocks and stuff really have to consider people who really like to talk to their favorites and uh, like if you're in a line and there are 400 people in front of you and you hope to reach the front 
you know, what, yeah. how, how do they manage that kind of thing? So yeah. I, I hope that it, it's a much better experience for the people who didn't have a good experience next time. And I'm glad that there are people who still did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is, I think, like you said, there's just so many, it, it feels to me, so I attended it in 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. And it was actually at the same hotel. And it feels to me like a little bit of a different audience too than RT. Mm-hmm. Both are sort of fan focused, but this one really feels to me more fan author interaction focused in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I when I was there and and I again can't speak to um the you know agenda of a polycon. I can speak to the hotel bar, but I can't speak to the uh agenda <laughs> of the of the conference. If it's like it was then, there were a handful of panels, but the large focus is on being there with the authors, getting them to sign your books, standing in line for a long time if you have to to get, you know, the signatures done, which wasn't was always a little bit of RT, but not not kind of the main event. Mm-hmm. It's also, I would say, and this is I am not being ageist or casting judgment in any way, but this did feel like a younger audience to me, mm-hmm. which makes sense because I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jennifer Armentrout's audience tends to be maybe a little bit more YA focused and a little bit more fantasy focused. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't think Robin Carr was at a Polygon. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so Robin Carr is lovely. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, like, it's a different a different collection of folks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think this is a really interesting turning point, And we'll see what happens. Hopefully, they can make the kinds of changes that they need to make. Many of which I'm sure were on the hotel. And also, some of it might just have been, like you said, that... I, I, I will tell you, again, very, very different conference. But for ours, we did not anticipate how many people in the world of COVID would want to come to an in-person meeting, despite the fact that we told them it will be crowded, it will be full. You have to be very cognizant of what you're getting into. And mm-hmm. yet, we had to cap our attendance as well. You know, so it's, I think it can be easy to have underestimated that. I think this is an interesting turning point. And because there's so much potential in this conference, I hope... I hope they're able to move in a direction that is, you know, better for the future of conferences. Like you said, this is basically the last one there. Yeah. And like, this is sort of an aside, but I don't think anybody really thought about how much romance has exploded in the last three years. Yeah, that's a great point. Like my book festival in March, the the Tucson Festival of Books, which is free to attend and is outside and, you know, was presented as safely as they could possibly do. Even just at the panels for romance, attendance was up 300% from the last in-person we had in 2019. And that was just the panels. There were people, hordes of people in line waiting for signings who just didn't go to the panels. They just found the person's name and stood at their signing thing. And this is like, Tucson Festival of Books is huge, but the romance part of it hasn't always been quite as big. And like, everybody who's organizing things with romance in mind just has to remember that romance itself, as a publishing entity, but also as a community, grew so much because of COVID, because people wanted happy things. They wanted a satisfactory ending that was guaranteed. They came to romance because the world was burning. And we have to remember that, like, the numbers that we thought would be accommodating aren't what they are. Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, the world looks very different than it did in 2019 when they last had this conference. Mm Mm-hmm. I think TikTok is another thing that we've talked about that has actually yeah. played also a really huge role. I, I think it is it is bigger than Bookstagram. It is bigger than Book Twitter. Mm-hmm. It may not last forever, but for now, it's having also a pretty serious impact, which is great. Like, it's bringing more people into the community, but also it's bringing more people into the community. Yeah. So so anyway, I, I think we, you and I both genuinely wish um, the best for the future of that conference and, mm-hmm. and hope that they're able to make things work and sort of... Send our high fives to everybody who had a great time and send our sort of sympathies to those who did not. And we'll see what happens next year. Yep. 
Um, okay, now we're going into a quick segment uh, that I convinced <laughs> Jess to let me have, which is uh, new. It is called Trisha Rants About a Thing for basically no other reason than we had a little time on the agenda. And that, Jess, is a thing that I have ranted on about the podcast before, but A, it's been a while, and B, I have a new reason. So <laughs> let's talk about the, you can't see my giant finger quotes, women's fiction category of the book market. Uh. I hate that designation. I think it is trash. I think it is non-inclusive of of all genders. I think it is even sexist, despite not even being inclusive of all genders. Like, it's <laughs> it's just... And it's dumb. It's dumb. It doesn't need to exist. It could be called many, many other things. You could call it contemporary fiction. Mm-hmm. I would even settle for domestic fiction, even though I don't love it. I could deal with it. Like, there are a lot of things that you could call that subcategory of books that would make me less angry. (laughs) And I will tell you, the thing that made me think of this is I think I talked on the last episode about the fact that I had just started reading or I was about to start reading Husband Material by Alexis Hall, Mm -hmm. which I very much enjoyed. I think it was a different book than Boyfriend Material. And I think it wraps up a little bit quickly at the end, but I liked it very much. I would recommend it to folks. The primary reason I'm talking about it, though, is that To me, that book felt less like a traditional romance and more like the kind of book that gets referred to as women's fiction, Mm. which should not. It is not about women. It is not written by a woman. It can be enjoyed by people of all genders. And yet it gets marketed as, I think, romance because... First of all, the first book in the series was a romance. And I I think there is actually a case to be made that it's romance. But to me, this book felt, particularly the first half to two thirds of it, felt less focused on the couple. It's a lot about the relationships with the people that they're friends with, that they work with. A lot about family and navigating family relationships and crises. And I just like, like I said, to me, I kind of wanted to say to people, this book is great, but it's not necessarily a romance. It's... And because we use women's fiction, I couldn't even describe it as that because I hate that term so much and also it doesn't fit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's my rant. I don't know if you have anything you want to say about it or if we should just sit quietly for a moment and move on. Whatever you think. I will say I totally feel you. I have not yet picked up husband material, so I can't speak directly to that. But I do know that there have been a lot of conversations because there's been so like... I know that there was one tweet that I didn't get to before it was deleted about folding quote unquote women's fiction into the romance genre, which would be terrible for so many reasons beyond the fact that books that are marketed as women's fiction are often marketed as such because they do not end with a romantic pairing. Yeah. I caught that so many times as a teenager finding all of these rom-coms, film rom-coms that were based on chiclet or women's fiction in which they changed the ending of the movie. So yeah. And I like, I, we did have this conversation very early on in the podcast and I have tried so hard to utilize the term contemporary fiction or general fiction, but people keep pulling back at it and just saying women's fiction and i'm like no with you in my head going it's not women's fiction um it's human people fiction it's relationship fiction it's a lot of things it's relationship fiction it's it's uh i like domestic fiction although then that makes me think of domestic thrillers which i think are something different (laughs) yeah well i mean the venn diagram is not definitely two circles but it's also not definitely one (laughs) yeah um but yeah so you and i trisha we'll we'll keep fighting the good fight and hopefully y'all listening to women in romance will help us fight this fight thank you and if you are wondering or worried about whether this has the emotionally satisfying ending of a book and you want to know that before you start reading it Send me a message. I will spoil that for you as needed. I'm happy to do that for anyone who is wondering. Mm. All right. That's my rant. Jess, you have like a nicer thing to talk about. I don't know. <laughs> yes. And this, this is something that actually is only of huge interest 
to our listeners in Canada, but it's something that everyone who's listening could be could find of interest to either just sort of support gung ho or to tell your friends if you have any friends in Canada. And that is that there is a lovely woman in Canada whose name is Tanya Lee, and she is starting a national black romance book club. And um, it's going to be centered in Hamilton, but available to anyone in Canada to join. They'll have workshops in person and on Zoom, etc., etc. And her focus is really about sort of bringing up not only the um, the knowledge <laughs> of authors who already do exist, like raising the profile, is that raising sort of- the profile. Thank Yay. you. Thank you, Trisha. This is this is why we work so well together. I was just going to say that it's just teamwork all the way down on this episode. Teamwork all the way down. Um, raising the profile of Black Canadian romance authors, of which there aren't very many, and thus also building a community of Black Canadian romance authors. So I don't think there is a um, website for it yet, but I will make sure Trisha has something to share with information about it in the show notes. And transparency note, I have been in communication directly with Tanya because um, she is going to have me attend one of the first meetings. So I am connected with it, um, but it is not my thing. But I just want you all to know that I... I have a very small finger in the waters of this. And I actually have a CBC, um, which is the Canadian Broadcasting Company, if you hadn't put that together. I basically live in Canada. I live like 30 miles from the border. So uh, (laughs) I get a lot of this, the Canadian news and stuff. I have an article that I will post to, which actually does mention that uh, the first speaker is already booked. Jessica Mm -hmm. P. Pride, the Arizona-based author of Black Love Matters, Real talk on romance being seen and happily ever afters. Right in there. Uh, we know her. Yeah, yeah. We do know her. We we know her. And the, the quote from Lee is, come prepared to have fun and let the black storytelling hours begin. Mm-hmm. I would much rather talk about that than uh, rant about women's fiction. So thank you for that. <laughs> I do what I can. And before we uh, get into some other things that we like to talk about, which are books specifically... Maybe we take another quick break. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books, and so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high-stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players, but what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive, even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read, and I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer, always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. 
As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters, and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. All right, and we're back. And it's time to talk even more about books than we've already been talking about. I feel like I started out by saying speaking of books, and now (laughs) we've been talking about them for 25 or 30 minutes. And now it's time to, but now we're going to talk like explicitly about them, like all in. About specific books. Yeah. So uh, Jess, why don't you tell us about about what kind of books we're going to talk about? All right. So we don't always talk about frontless books, but it seems like... They're the most common books on our radar, right? Because they're brand new, they're out, we're excited about them, they're shiny. But I don't know about you all, but a lot of books fall behind. (laughs) And I have managed to, in one way or another, actually get to some of those books that had fallen behind recently. So I thought that Trisha and I could talk about some of those older titles that we're so excited we finally got to read and want to talk about because we're happy we finally got to them. Yay! And I will say this uh, segment is also sponsored in part by the fact that you might remember two or three episodes ago, we were talking about our favorite books of 2022 so far. (laughs) And right when we got to the end, I realized that one of my three came out in 2021. So (laughs) we're coming back around to it. But since I already got to do rant slash talk about husband material, Jess, I will let you uh, kick this one off. All right. So the first book in this little grouping, actually, I started reading it because I randomly had it checked out in Hoopla as I had been looking for a book that I knew that if I checked it out, I might read while I was trying to help someone else figure out what was wrong with their hoopla. So there was a book, they couldn't, they checked it out, it wasn't opening there, they opened it It was a blank page. And it was like, well, let me, let me open something on my wish list. And look at (laughs) you helping the people, helping the people. And, you know, I sort of forgot about it. And then I was like, Oh, wait, no, I have this book checked out. And it was Coffee Boy by Austin Chant, which is seven years old, I want to say. Um, and I have been interested in Austin Chance writing forever. But I remember picking up uh, Peter Darling and realizing that I just don't like Peter Pan stories. So sure. I put that one down and never picked up anything else, even though I think I own another Austin Chant book and had Coffee Boy on my Hoopla wish list. So I was like, well, I have it checked out. I might as well read it. And right now, it is taking me like a week and a half to read novellas. So we're, that's fun. That's where you are. Coffee Boy is a novella. It did take me a week and a half to read it, but I absolutely loved it. You will probably read it in a few hours if you decide to pick it up. And it is about a, um, a trans man who has gone to work as an intern for a political campaign. His former teacher, professor, instructor, grad instructor something, is the manager of the campaign office because his aunt is the person campaigning. And that person is pretty incompetent at actually like managing the company. So his um, like publicity person, Seth, is really the person running the campaign office. And Kieran, who is the, the young man who starts working there as an intern, and Seth don't immediately hit it off. You don't say. <laughs> of course not. But they sort of like start to understand each other as like professionals, even if Kieran isn't really like very good at communicating with Seth, who is much more uh, stiff kind of person. But, you know, it's short. So things happen really quickly. But it is a lovely little book. And my only issue with it is the fact that it is only once only 61 pages. Um, But you really made it last. It I really made it last. Like, 
Yeah, it took me a week and a half to read it. Um, 61 pages. But it didn't feel like it was that long. It just, I didn't read very much at a time. For those of you who are like, did, did, did it drag? Why did it take so long? I'm just terrible at reading right now. But yeah, so that's Coffee Boy by Austin Chant. I will stop my long winding meander and let you talk, Trisha. <laughs> I love to listen to you talk about books, but uh, I am also delighted to talk about books, as you can tell, since we're at episode 110, 111 of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so the book that I had planned to talk about that I thought came out in 2022, but didn't, is the An Heiress's Guide to Deception and Desire by Amanda Collins. It is the second book in the Ladies Guide series, um, which is, at least at this point, two, and there is a third coming, books that are romantic historical mystery sort of suspensey kinds of books hmm. they the first one at least was fairly violent i don't think this one was quite as violent but it does revolve around a kidnapping and you know caro who is um one of the sort of supporting characters in the first book is trying to help figure out who has kidnapped her friend it turns out though that the friend is romantically involved with someone who is related to a former fiancé of hmm. Carolyn's, uh, Val, who is now a Viscount. One thing Jess has taught me is how to pronounce Viscount. <laughs> uh, I did not... When we... A hundred episodes ago, I couldn't do it, but now I can. Um, they have a bit of a history of their own. They were engaged. I don't remember exact. I don't... Gosh, I will confess, it's been now a few months since I read this book. I can't remember if it was like a... Is it persuasion in the Jane Austen series that like one person figures out that they're thinks that they're better than the other one, so they break up? Is that yes. it, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might be one of those, but so because Carol's family is new money, like her father has made a bunch of money in business. Val's family is old money. His brother has died in the um, intervening sort of period between these two books. And so he did not expect to be the Viscount, but he is, which means that there's a lot more pressure on him to marry. They are trying to solve this mystery. They're um, hanging out with their friends from the first book in the series. But, you know, those people are minimal characters because their happy ever after has already happened. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think one of them might be pregnant. It's a whole thing. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> these, the thing that's a, that's great, I think, about these books is that they are fun but there are still feelings, there is still mystery, there is still suspense. And I think it kind of sometimes can take the pressure off of the romance a little bit to have a secondary story, right? Like mm. a secondary mystery or a secondary kind of plot that they're trying to sort out, like a subplot, which is not to say that the romance is not satisfying this book. It absolutely is. But I I think I've probably talked on the podcast before, probably many times, about the fact that I am like a plot driven reader. And so I like when both are there. And I think that both books in the series so far, and most recently, An Heiress's Guide to Deception and Desire by Amanda Collins, which came out in 2021, (laughs) is an excellent example of that. To be fair to me, I think it came out in November of 2021. And also to be fair to me, what is time? What is time? So yes, absolutely. So check check that one out. I think you're gonna like it. Um, speaking of books that came out in 2021. Nice. <laughs> Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins is one of those. Ah, uh, yeah, it did. That I actually started reading a digital e-galley many, many moons ago. And as I have mentioned several times in the past couple of years, I have been terrible at reading in this time period. So at some point I put it down and never came back. But I needed to read Wild Rain for a different book club and finally picked it up. And one of the things that happened is that one of my fellow Jenkins fans on Twitter mentioned several months ago that her newest books are released in both paperback, mass market paperback and hardcover. So I have a hardcover copy of Wild Rain. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really cool. I already pre-ordered To Catch a Raven in hardcover, too. Um, Nice. So it's a larger book that I can hold. The text is big. I feel like I'm getting more 
out of, out of it. Like, I don't, I don't know. My brain just sort of said, this is a hardcover. You want to read it. But also, then I opened it, and this is a Beverly Jenkins book. You want to read it. Um, so right. I just, I made it through a good hundred pages in one evening and was like, right. This is what, this is what this is supposed to feel like. But Wild Rain is the second book in her Women Who Dare series. And it is actually a a sort of combination sequel because it is linked to the book Tempest, which is probably many people's favorite book in its own trilogy in which Reagan answers a mail order bride request, travels to Wyoming and immediately shoots her husband, her future husband, because she thinks he's a a robber, a stagecoach robber. Sure. So this is centered on that doctor's sister who owns a ranch in the middle of nowhere. She is the only black woman for miles, except for Reagan. And then you have Colton. No, Colton is, is, is the doctor. You have Grayson, I think his name is Grayson. Now I'm- I think I made this exact mistake when we t- when I talked about this book. I think maybe like with Jen at some point last year. I did the exact same thing where you are. Yeah. It's it's fine. The other it's, main character. The other main character. It's not Grayson. Grayson. Nope, that's not even the right book. I made Grayson up. Apparently, Garrett. <laughs> Garrett nice. Is well done. The main character is the male main character in Wild Rain who has come from D.C. to Wyoming to write a newspaper story about Colton, the doctor. Um, And he falls and gets hurt and lost during a snowstorm, and Spring saves him and takes him home. So they start out on also a not great footing, because this is very much a grumpy sunshine combination of people in which spring is the grump (laughs) yeah and she is a delightful grump she just she hates people she will shoot you if she needs to and she just wants to spend time alone on her ranch with her horses and she is also dealt with some trauma i will give a content warning for discussion of past uh sexual abuse and so the two of them sort of develop this very odd friendship that they acknowledge is also sexual chemistry. But, you know, Garrett's there to write a story about her brother uh, and then to go home to D.C., far away from the mountains. Um, so it's about her sort of figuring out how to open up. It's about him figuring out what he wants out of life and how to say no to his family. Um, and it's about being in Wyoming in a place where, in the words of some character, like people care more about making it through the winter than what other people's races are. Now, of course, this is not true of everyone. And there are some racial things happening because it's set post-Civil War. It's, you know, but it's Beverly Jenkins. So she's going to treat you well and safe. And I, my only thing with this book is that the ending felt kind of abrupt to me. But I mean, everybody just wants more of a Beverly Jenkins story. So correct. Yeah. So that was Wild Rain. All right. I'm going to go a little further back in time to 2016 and a book that came out that I can't believe I haven't read before this year, but I hadn't. And that is Hold Me by Courtney Malone. I don't have to tell you a ton about this book, except that it happens in Silicon Valley. And it is, I'm not going to say like it's based on because that's completely unfair, but it it has that (laughs) model of shop around the corner or you've got mail where Mm -hmm. there are two people who basically hate each other from the moment they lay eyes on each other. Mm -hmm. They don't know that as like sort of nerdy bloggers, they have been in communication like on a basically daily, hourly basis for 18 months. (laughs) So Maria, who is one of the main characters, is a trans woman and she has created, this is like so Courtney Milan, this blog that every week sets a like new way in which the world could end. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like the apocalypse 
is happening. Here's how it happened. And then like a bunch of nerdy science people. And I say nerdy with love because I have so much respect for all these people. <laughs> reply <laughs> and say like, hey, but what about this? Or how about this? Or what about this thing? And Jay, who is the other main character, has been one of those commenters. They hit it off. And like I said, they have this sort of behind the scenes relationship. When they meet in real life, because Jay works with Maria's brother, they don't hit it off quite as well. Uh, <laughs> Jay immediately judges Maria as being like, super girly, sort of airheaded, which she very much is not. And it kind of it kind of goes from there. Like I said, I don't have to tell you a lot more about it than that. But this book is wonderful. It has like all of the sort of nerdy science stuff that Courtney Milan somehow puts in so many of her books. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that every single scientific line of this book is correct. Some of them lost me a little bit, but it doesn't matter. I don't care. <laughs> I don't need to know about physics or chemistry or whatever else. Um, you get the feel very much in this book. And it's lovely and it's great. And I think it's really interesting, too, to see how she approaches, how Courtney Milan approaches that you've got male sort of scenario where one person realizes what's happening and handles it in a different way than Tom Hanks, is what I will mm-hmm. say. Yeah. But it's great. I can't believe I didn't read it before. I will say I still have not read Trade Me, which is the first book in the series, and I still enjoyed this one a lot. Um, I will be reading Trade Me, of course, later this year. But in the meantime, Hold Me by Courtney Milan is one that I wish I'd gotten to sooner, and I'm so glad I eventually found. I am too, because I love both of those books and can't wait to talk to you about Trade Me, because I have like a religious experience reading Trade Me, I gotta say. Yay. That might have been my first Courtney Milan book, though. So oh, wow. it's just kind of like... Um, Way back in the day. I don't I don't remember if I read if I read that one first or read one of her um, historicals first, but I still love it. And I actually might love Hold Me a little bit more. Ah. Hard to say. But I'm, I'm glad that you read them. I'm going to drop one more, and I'll try to be quick about it because we are running short on time. But this is a book that several of my pocket friends were yelling about on the various socials a few months ago. And I borrowed it from Kindle Unlimited, but I hadn't gotten to it. And then finally, I was like, I need something that I know I'm going to love that I have a guarantee from people that I trust immensely that it's going to be great. And that is The Worst Guy by Kate Canterbury. And I gotta tell you, I did not expect to have my soul torn apart by a book whose first line is, my nickname for Richard was Floundering, but I did. I mean, sure. So it's about two doctors one thing he's 42 she's 39 like that that was great right off the bat it was like oh yes we have mature teenagers because they're doctors um (laughs) in in body they are older but they're just they are people who have who are used to staying up running on fumes and coffee for 40 hours at a time but um they're both surgeons at a hospital in boston or outside of boston and they cannot stand each other they like they cannot meet without clashing unfortunately not only do they work in the same hospital they live in the same building um so they cannot escape seeing each other and he's sort of they both they have very similar personalities, which is probably what contributes to the not standing each other. Neither of them particularly like people, but she masks it by being sort of a chirpy people pleaser who's friendly and nice. She also is a plastic surgeon and he is a trauma surgeon. So he has to yell and house himself all over the place and be super like abusive to everybody. But they end up in a situation where they have to take sort of basically couples therapy <laughs> together. Sure. Um, it's, it's called some, it's like anger management or something, but they, they are forced to take multiple sessions of this therapy together. Um, so they sort of slowly get to know each other, but also the sexual tension between them is through Every roof. It is above the Empire State Building. It is a 
at the moon. It has swung past the International Space Station and is heading to Mars. So they... (laughs) That's very specific. (laughs) And very illustrative. Well done, Jess. You can tell you're a writer. (laughs) They are just like... So they start having sex. It's... Sure. It's kind of a get it out of our system kind of thing, but they obviously just don't. So there is a lot of emotions and feelings that are buried deep down within both of them, because neither of them is very good at communicating, even though they have extensive degrees and have spent years upon years writing about how to save people's lives, but they can't just talk to each other. Um, So now that I've told you all about their emotional problems, you all should go ahead and read The Worst Guy by Kate Canterbury and have your soul torn out as much as mine was. I love a slightly more mature romance. And by mature, I mean in age as opposed to the way that people behave. (laughs) They are children, but it's true. <laughs> um, I think we're we're running a little long, so I will hold on to my other book for uh, the next time we talk. Partly because I'm pretty sure it was my ranting about uh, women's fiction that caused us to go long. So we will, uh, I think, hold it hold it there for the day. But please, please, please pick up your copy of Witch Mark by C. L. Polk. Let us know what kind of random stuff romance wise is on your mind. You know, how do you feel about women's fiction? Did you attend a Polycon? Might you go next year? Might you not go next year? Who knows? Whatever you're feeling, let us know what books you are glad that you finally got to this year. And you can do that by sending us a note at whenandromance at bookriot.com. You can also find me on Instagram. (gasps) Jess, they changed Instagram back. Oh, I'm so glad. It's better now. So I've been trying to actually spend, like, an inordinate amount of time on Instagram to, like, reward good behavior. (laughs) So do feel free to message me there at Trisha Haley Brown. Again, if you need to have the end of husband material spoiled for you, just let me know. And you can find me on Twitter at JustIsReading, all one word, on Instagram at Just underscore is underscore reading, where you might occasionally see pictures of my new snake. Um, And on... And on TikTok at just underscore is reading where there also might be video of my new snake. Um, so just be forewarned. She's not a big snake. She is a very small snake and she is very cute. But if you have an aversion to snakes, just watch out. But this one is beautiful. Just a heads up. <laughs> Huge thanks as always to our wonderful, magical audio editor, Jen Sink. Um, If you get a chance, uh, rate and review the podcast. It helps other people find it. And where else are they going to find me ranting about husband material and women's fiction? Not husband (laughs) material, just like the fit. Husband material was great, to be (laughs) fair. Boy, our Jen does an incredible job of audio editing. I'm sure she'll (laughs) figure that out. All right. I think, is that it for us for today, Jess? I think that is it for us. Uh, once again, tell us your thoughts b- about Witchmark before the end of September and anything else you want to tell us that is romance or book related. And until next time, happy reading. Mm-hmm.